We'll see how this goes, y'all. I'm a mite rusty. Let me tell you a story not long ago High on a mountain in Idaho In Idaho I was living free So I sawed off shotgun to the deputy Well don't shoot me down, don't shoot down Got a wife and kids on Ruby Ridge Please don't shoot me down, don't shoot me down don't shoot me down Got a wife and kids on Ruby Ridge They're gonna shoot me down They shot my good dog They shot my boy My only son My pride and joy They left my wife Dead on the floor Holding our baby In the cabin door Don't shoot me down Don't shoot me down Got a wife and kids on Ruby Ridge They're gonna shoot me down That was a song written by Peter Rowan The great bluegrass musician And performed poorly by me But I figured I'd give it my best shot And at the same time avoid using copyright materials though I do not believe in copyright or intellectual property I figure I ought to just give them one less reason to throw me in the slammer right if I can so not that Peter Rowan is the type to sue you but I just thought that'd be kind of fun you know I don't play the guitar much but every so often I get the hankering to learn a song even if I can't play it that good. So, you know, I thought I'd talk to y'all today about this this timeline of events. The dangerous history of our last 30 years. You know, I turned 30 this Wednesday. We'll see, I might drop this episode Wednesday. I might drop it a little bit earlier, but... I'm turning 30 on the 19th. And many of you may be well aware that the 19th is the 30-year anniversary of Waco. And I've mentioned it before. If you've been a listener, you know that that day is the day I was born. One and the same. You know, my parents were watching it on the news from the delivery room. If I have my timeline of events correct, I believe I was born I was born at 2:10 Eastern time. And I believe that that building was still burning. But there probably wasn't anybody still alive. And as a kid, you know, I I started to hear history about 
that day. And of course, you always take the most interest in what happened on your birthday, right? Historically speaking, it's kind of funny. We joke in the family that we've got the family curse. My oldest sister was born on September 11th, you know, well before 2001. She was turning like, I don't know, 11 or 12 at the time when 9-11 happened. Then my other sister was born August 29th, which in 2007 was the day that Katrina hit New Orleans. So it's an easy sort of joke, if you know, it's a morbid joke, if you will, but to say that we've got the family curse. You know, truth is, you start looking for patterns, you'll see them. They're not always authentic or causational, right? You know, it's just, that's the nature of our human brain. We might see patterns, whether or not they truly exist. But sometimes you start to pick up on a pattern and you think, you know, maybe there's something to it. Now, the family curse is not one of them. I don't take that shit seriously. You know, in all reality, bad stuff happens every day of the year somewhere. You know, in the historically significant stuff, you know, you go back far enough, you'll find something historically significant that has happened on every day of the year. You know, that's not groundbreaking. That's pretty obvious, right? But I find it interesting that I'm given this opportunity as I enter my fourth decade of life, right? I'll be turning 30, so I will have lived for three decades and be starting the fourth. And a lot seems to have happened in those 30 years. Now, give me a second here. I'm going to grab a beverage and put this guitar away, but I've got some materials kind of prepped. We're going to go through sort of a quick outline, a quick timeline of America's dangerous history over the last 30 years. And we may kind of touch on some things that led up to these events that are connected. But it seems that, at least from my biased point of view, the year 1993 was a particularly interesting place to start when it comes to this this pattern recognition I'm I'm talking about. So I will be right back. All right, y'all. I recorded that a couple days ago. Um, you know, when I tried to record, I found that these Wikipedia clips were just almost impossible to read because of all the all the citations and the links. So I had to go through this entire timeline and kind of clean it up, summarize, sort of rewrite each each little thing. Uh, to make it more concise. So, once again, um, all of this information is basically the common narrative. I'm not claiming that this is all 
accurate, right? It's up to you to, I guess, sort through the details. And if you hear any any event on this list that you don't know much about, uh, feel free, obviously, look into it. But like I said, I tried to kind of narrow down the most important things that have happened for the for the last 30 years. So here we go. 1992. Earth First's push towards the mainstream movement led to the creation of an offshoot group called the Earth Liberation Front. Earth Liberation Front was formally introduced during the 1992 Earth First Round River Rendezvous where young activists debated the effectiveness of civil disobedience activism tactics in light of the ever-increasing destruction of the planet by human activities. Elders of the Earth First movement gave their blessing to this newly formed strike team known as the ELF. ELF became the extremists of the environmental movement. August 21st, 1992. Ruby Ridge. U.S. Marshals attempt to arrest Randy Weaver for selling a sawed-off shotgun to an undercover officer. An 11-day standoff ensues after officers kill Sammy Weaver, 14 years old, the family dog, causing an exchange of gunfire in which Kevin Harris, a neighbor, kills one of the agents. The next day, his wife uh, was killed as she held their newborn baby. Randy Weaver and Kevin Harris barricaded themselves in with Randy's three daughters. Eventually, Harris surrendered, followed shortly by Randy and the daughters. February 26, 1993, the World Trade Center bombing. A group of Islamic terrorists ignite a 1,336-pound urea nitrate hydrogen van bomb. The plan was to knock down the North Tower and take out the South Tower on its way. Ultimately, six people were killed and over a thousand injured, but both towers stood. February 26th to April 19th, 1993. The Waco Siege, also known as the Waco Massacre, was a 51-day siege by the U.S. federal government and Texas state law enforcement of a compound belonging to the religious cult known as the Branch Davidians, led by David Koresh. Suspecting the group of stockpiling illegal weapons, the ATF obtained a warrant uh, to search the compound and to arrest Koresh, as well as a select few other of the group's members. After weeks exchanging gunfire, tenuous negotiations were ultimately unsuccessful, with only a handful of people surrendering. The siege ultimately ended when the building caught caught fire shortly after a barrage of tear gas canisters were launched into the building. The fire resulted in the deaths of 76 Branch Davidians, including 25 children, two pregnant women, and David Koresh. In total, the 51-day siege resulted in the deaths of four federal agents and 82 Branch Davidians, 28 of whom were children. Two years later, April 19, 1995, the Oklahoma City bombing. On the second anniversary of the fiery end to the Waco siege, Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols bombed the Alfred P. Murray uh, Federal Building at 9.02 a.m. and killed 168 people, 
injured 680 and destroyed more than one-third of the building. September 19, 1995. Ted Ted Kaczynski demands his 35,000-word essay, Industrial Society and Its Future, dubbed the Unabomber Manifesto, be published verbatim in a major newspaper, or another bomb will go off. Law enforcement and the media debate whether or not to publish, but ultimately do so in the hopes of leading to the Unabomber being successfully identified after nearly 20 years of bombings. In the manifesto, he begins, The Industrial Revolution and its consequences have been a disaster for the human race. The publishing of his essay does, in fact, lead to his capture after he is identified by his brother and sister-in-law. April 1996. Monica Lewinsky's supervisors transfer her from the White House to the Pentagon because they feel she is spending too much time with President Clinton. August 17, 1998. Bill Clinton says, This is not a sexual relationship, an improper relationship, or any other kind of improper relationship, which he defends as truthful because of his use of the present tense arguing it depends on what the meaning of the word is, is. Clinton and Lewinsky were both called before a grand jury. Clinton testified via closed-circuit television while Lewinsky testified in person. She was granted transactional immunity by the Office of the Independent Counsel in exchange for her testimony. December 19, 1998. Bill Clinton, the 42nd President of the United States, is impeached by the House of Representatives for high crimes and misdemeanors, with two articles of impeachment, lying under oath and obstruction of justice. February 12, 1998. Clinton is acquitted on both accounts, and a two-thirds majority in the Senate is never reached. He serves out the remainder of his term. April 20th, 1999, Columbia High School shooting. Two 12th grade students carry out a mass killing, uh, injuring 21 and killing 12 before committing suicide. At this time, it is the deadliest school shooting on record. November 20th, the 2000 United States presidential election. George Bush v. Al Gore. The result is widely contested for over a month until a Supreme Court ruling halts the Florida recount. Bush becomes president. September 10, 2001. Secretary of Defense Rumsfeld announces that $2.3 trillion of the Pentagon's budget was unaccounted for. September 11, 2001. Enough said. October 7, 2001. The global war on terror begins when U.S. and Britain launch air attacks against you or against Afghanistan. January 29, 2002, President George W. Bush signs legislation establishing the Office of Homeland Security. The official announcement states the mission of the office will be to develop and coordinate the implementation of a comprehensive national strategy to secure the United States from terrorist threats or attacks. The office will coordinate the executive branch's efforts to detect, prepare, prepare for, prevent, and protect against, respond to, and recover from terrorist attacks within the United States. 
President Bush on the same day held his first State of the Union address in which he labels Iran, Iraq, and North Korea as the axis of evil and states the mission of removing, seeking out, and destroying any weapons of mass destruction or facilities used to create them. November 25th, 2002. The Home Security Act, I'm sorry, the Homeland Security Act established the Department of Homeland Security to consolidate U.S. executive branch organizations relating to homeland security into a single cabinet agency. The Gilmore Commission, supported by much of Congress and John Bolton, helped further solidify the need for the department. The DHS incorporated 22 federal agencies. August 29, 2005. Hurricane Katrina hits the Gulf Coast as a Category 5 hurricane, resulting in 1,392 fatalities and caused damage estimated between 97.4 and 145.5 billion, particularly to the city of New Orleans and its surrounding areas. At the time, it was the costliest tropical cyclone on record, tied now with Hurricane Harvey of 2017. The majority of the loss of lives in Hurricane Katrina was due to flooding caused by fatal engineering flaws in the flood protection system, especially the levee, around the city of New Orleans. Eventually, 80% of the city, as well as large areas in neighboring parishes, were flooded for weeks. The flooding also destroyed most of New Orleans' transportation and communication facilities, leaving tens of thousands of people who did not evacuate the city prior to landfall with little access to food, shelter, and other basic necessities. The disaster in New Orleans prompted a massive national and international response effort, including federal, local, and private rescue operations, to evacuate those displaced from the city in the following weeks. After the storm, multiple investigations concluded that the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, uh, which had designed and built the region's levees decades earlier, were responsible for the failure of the flood control systems. However, federal courts later ruled that the Corps could not be held financially liable due to... Or, due to sovereign immunity in the Flood Control Act of 1928. April 16, 2007, the Virginia Tech shooting comprised of two attacks in which an undergraduate student at the university and a U.S. resident originally from South Korea kills 32 people and wounds 17 others with two semi-automatic pistols. Six others are injured jumping out of windows to escape. July 24, 2007, Minimum, rate, minimum wage is raised from $5.15 to $5.85 an hour. The 2008 financial crash. The preconditioning for the financial crisis were complex and multi-causal. Almost two decades prior, the U.S. Congress had passed legislation encouraging, finance, encouraging financing for affordable housing. However, in 1999, parts of the Glass-Steagall legislation, which had adopted which had been adopted in 1933, were repealed, permitting financial institutions to commingle their commercial and proprietary trading operations. 
arguably the largest contributor to the conditions necessary for financial collapse was the rapid development in predatory financial products which targeted low-income, low-information home buyers who largely belonged to racial minorities. This market developed went unattended by regulators and thus caught the U.S. government by surprise. After the onset of the crisis, government Governments deployed massive bailouts of financial institutions and other palliative monetary and fiscal policies to prevent a collapse of the global financial system. In the U.S., October 3rd, $800 billion from the Emergency Economic Stabilization Act of 2008 failed to slow the economic freefall but the similarly sized American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009, which included a substantial payroll tax credit, saw economic indicators reverse and stabilize less than a month after its February 17th enactment. The crisis sparked the Great Recession, which resulted in increases in unemployment and suicide and decreases in the institutional trust and fertility, among other metrics. The recession was a significant precondition for the European debt crisis. November 2008. Barack Obama is elected president and Democrats retain majorities in both the House and Senate. March 20, 2010. President Obama signs the Patent Protection and Affordable Care Act into law. December 14, 2012. The Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in Newtown, Connecticut. A 20-year-old murders 26 people, 20 children between 6 and 7 years old, and 6 adults after murdering his own mother. He dies by suicide. April 15, 2013. The Boston Marathon. Two brothers plant a pair of homemade pressure cooker bombs which detonate near the finish line of the race 14 seconds and 210 yards apart. Three people are killed and hundreds are injured, including 17 with lost limbs. Three days later, the FBI releases images of the two suspects. Following their identification, they kill an MIT policeman and kidnap a man in his car. There is a shootout with police during which two officers are severely injured. One brother dies at the scene as the other escapes. An unprecedented manhunt ensues, and the fugitive is shot and wounded by police before being taken into into custody. During questioning, he says that he and his brother were radicalized uh, by the wars in Iraq, that they were self-radicalized and unconnected to any outside terrorist groups, and that he was following his brother's lead. He also says they had intended to travel to New York City to bomb Times Square. He is convicted of 30 charges, including use of a weapon of mass destruction and malicious destruction of property resulting in death. April 5th to May 2015. The Bundy Ranch Standoff. After a 21-year legal dispute, the Bureau of Land Management attempts to enforce a court order directing Cliven Bundy, a rancher in southeastern Nevada, to pay overdue grazing fees for his cattle, which amount to over a million dollars, or forfeit his cattle and ranch. 
Bundy was initially ordered to cease grazing his cattle on public land but refused to comply. When the BLM showed up to enforce the court order, they are met with armed resistance. A month-long armed standoff ensues. Arguing that the federal government has no right to manage lands within the state of Nevada, they rally support from many who participate in the so-called Battle of Bunkerville, not to be confused with Bunker Hill. The BLM attempt to overthrow a, f- um, or I'm sorry, the BLM attempt over the course of a few weeks to round up the trespass cattle belonging to Bundy, but are driven away by armed pro- protesters. Eventually, the government officials decide not to escalate this situation, return all confiscated cattle, and have not been back since. July 17, 2005. Emanuel Methodist Episcopal Church shooting in Charlestown, South Carolina. Among the nine fatalities in the all-black church is a state senator. The killer is arrested found to having to have targeted the members of the church because of its history and status. He pleads guilty to all nine state charges in order to avoid receiving a second death sentence. And as a result, he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. He will receive automatic appeals of his death sentence, but he may eventually be executed by the federal justice system. June 26, 2015, the Supreme Court rules in a landmark civil rights case of Oberfell v. Hodges that the fundamental rights of same-sex couples to marry on the same terms and conditions as opposite-sex couples with all the accompanying rights and responsibilities is guaranteed by both Due Process Clause and the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution. January 2nd to February 11th, 2016. The Mahler National Wildlife Refuge Standoff. Clive and Bundy's sons, Amon and Ryan, lead an armed occupation of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service Mauer Refuge Headquarters Building in Harney County, Oregon with the intent being to draw more attention to the federal land control of western states. Their stated goal was to demand federal agencies relinquish control over all federal lands to be managed by the states. The choice of venue was in support of two local Oregon ranchers, a father and son, who had been convicted of land arson, despite the fact that the two did not ask for the Bundy's assistance. The occupation began after a peaceful rally in the nearby city of Burns. By February 11th, and all the armed occupiers surrendered or withdrew. One was killed in an attempt to escape. Ryan Bundy was wounded. Several of the occupiers were charged with various firearms and property crimes and served sentences of one to two years, but Ryan and Amon Bundy were acquitted of all charges. November 2016. The 2016 presidential election, Donald Trump v. Hillary Clinton, is uh, considered one of the biggest upsets in American political history. The results are are highly contested. December 2019. The COVID pandemic, also known as coronavirus, is an ongoing global pandemic of coronavirus disease 2019 
caused by severe acute respiratory syndrome, coronavirus 2. The novel virus was identified in an outbreak in the Chinese city of Wuhan. Attempts to contain it there failed, allowing the virus to spread to other areas of Asia and later worldwide. The World Health Organization declared the outbreak a public health emergency of international concern on the, th- on the 30th of January 2020 and a pandemic on a, the 11th of March 2020. As of the 16th of April 2023, the pandemic had caused 762,790,388 cases and 6,897,012 confirmed deaths, making it one of the deadliest in history. (coughs) Cough, cough. May 2020. At the end of May, spurred on by a rash of radically charged events, including those above, over 450 major protests are held in cities and towns across the United States and on three continents. The breaking point is due primarily to the murder of George Floyd by Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin. Eventually charged with second-degree murder after a video circulated showing Chauvin kneeling on Floyd's neck for nearly nine minutes while Floyd pleaded for his life repeatedly, saying, I can't breathe. Following protesters' demands for additional prosecutions, three other officers were charged with aiding and abetting second-degree murder. Millions of dollars of property damage and at least two dozen people were killed in the ensuing riots. October 8, 2020. The FBI announces the arrests of 13 men suspected of orchestrating a domestic terror plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, and overthrow the state government. Six men are charged in federal court, while the other seven are charged in state court. A 14th man is arrested and charged the following week. Two men plead guilty and offer to testify. Two men are acquitted. Two others are later found guilty of kidnapping and conspiracy and conspiracy to possess weapons of mass destruction. Three men were later convicted of gang membership, providing material support to terrorism and illegal weapons possession. Defense attorneys have argued that at least 12 informants and or undercover agents of the FBI were embedded in the suspected plotters. The FBI acknowledges using three informants and two undercover agents. November 2020. The 2020 presidential election. Joe Biden v. Donald Trump. The election takes place against the backdrop of COVID-19 and economic recession. The election has the highest recorded turnout by percentage since 1952. The security of the election and the results are highly contested, as well as the influence of widespread political censorship on social media. December 18, 2020. The House of Representatives passed two articles of, of impeachment, first being abuse of power and the other obstruction of Congress against President Trump. January 6th, 2021. Following Trump's defeat, a large group of protesters uh, descend on the U.S. Capitol building. Property damage, injuries, and a handful of fatalities occur, mostly from natural causes, 
one overdose, and one woman who is shot by Capitol Hill police. The event is labeled an attempted insurrection by media, and many of the participants have been prosecuted for various crimes, though none for sedition, insurrection, or treason, many for trespassing. Four of the responding police officers die by suicide in the following months. June 22, 2021. Good Samaritan Johnny Hurley dies unnecessarily after stopping a mass shooter. Arvada police mistake an armed citizen for a gunman in the moments immediately following Hurley killing the perpetrator. Police fire on Hurley from behind without announcing themselves. Hurley's mother sues Arvada Police Department. August 15, 2001. The Taliban regain control of Afghanistan as American personnel are evacuated nearly 20 years after the invasion began. January 10th, 2022. The first successful heart transplant from a pig to a human is completed at the University of Maryland Medical Center. January 13th, 2022. The Supreme Court rules against the Biden administration's OSHA-enforced vaccine-slash-testing mandates for large companies, but upholds them for medical personnel and government employees, as well as companies or contractors with government accounts, such as airliners, elder care facilities, and hospitals. January 19th, 2022. Biden administration reportedly... report. Reported to be freely providing 400 million N95 masks to Americans in order to combat COVID-19. January 2nd, 2022. The Canadian Freedom Convoy protest begins as thousands of truckers begin driving from various points around Canada, ultimately converging on the capital of Ottawa on January 29th. February 7th, 2022. Freedom Convoy protesters blockade the Ambassador Bridge connecting Ontario to Detroit in response to COVID-19 mandates for truckers re-entering Canada from the United States. February 11th, the Supreme Court of Ontario grants an injunction or an in, huh, grants an injunction to remove protesters from the Ambassador Bridge. There's a slight typo there through me. February 12th, 2022. Russia invades Ukraine. February 14th. Prime Minister Trudeau invokes the Emergencies Act for the first time since its passing in 1988 over the national trucker protests. February 17th to 20th. A large joint operation police presence in Ottawa arrest organizers and protesters, remove parked vehicles, and dismantle blockades from Ottawa streets. February 21st. Most of the protesters have been cleared from Ottawa. The convoy is condemned by trucking industry and labor groups. Officials raise concerns of some protesters' involvement with far-right extremist groups, including those promoting violence, and that some protesters called for the federal government of Canada to be overthrown. Some sources have called the protest, protests an occupation or siege. On the political fr front, Trudeau and the National Democratic Party leader Jamet Singh 
condemn the convoy, while many members of Parliament from the Conservative Party of Canada endorse it. Republican politicians from the United States and conservative politicians and media figures around the world also endorse the convoy. February 23, 2022. The FDA approves the first ever condom specifically designed for anal sex. March 27th. Will Smith slaps Chris Rock at the 94th Academy Awards. May 17th, the House of Representatives holds its first hearings on UFOs in over 15 years. I'm sorry, 50 years. May 25th, 2022. 19 children and two adults are killed in a mass shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. After the police surrounded the outside of the school, parents pleaded with officers to enter the building. When they did not, parents offered to enter the building themselves. Officers held back and tackled parents who tried to enter the school, further warning that they would use tasers and pepper spray. Police pepper spray a parent trying to get their child, and an officer tackles a father of another student. Police reportedly use a taser on a parent who approached a bus to get their children. A mother of two students at the school is placed in handcuffs by officers for attempting to enter. When released from the handcuffs, she jumps the fence and retrieves her children, exiting before the police ever go in. A video clip shows parents questioning why police are not trying to save their children, to which a police officer responds, because I'm having to deal with you. The United States Border Patrol Tactical Unit Agent rushes to the scene after receiving a text message from his wife, who is a teacher at the school. Prior to this, the agent had been off-duty getting a haircut. He set out with a shotgun borrowed from his barber and arrives on the scene approximately an hour after the first responders. He then proceeded to help evacuate children. Additional BORTAC agents arrive, but they do not have a battering ram or breech tools, so a U.S. marshal at the scene provides agents with a ballistic shield. The shooter stays in the classroom for around an hour, hiding behind a steel door that officers say they cannot open until they obtain a master key from the janitor. However, there is evidence that the door was never locked. After the door is open, a BORTAC agent enters the room holding the shield followed by two other BORTAC agents, a Border Patrol, Search, Trauma, and Rescue agent, and at least one sheriff's deputy. Ramos apparently or reportedly opens fire at the group from the closet before the officials return fire, killing him. Summer 2022. There's quite a few here. June 8th. Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh survives a murder attempt from a California resident, Nicholas John Rosk. June 11th, 31 members of the Patriot Front are arrested for conspiring to riot near a pride parade in Ohio. June 15th, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announces the reestablishment of the Florida Guard after more than 70 years since it was disbanded and names retired Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel Chris Graham as its director. June 18th, the CDC unanimously approves the COVID vaccine for children under five years old, including infants and toddlers. 
June 21st, Biden admin passes the Safer Communities Act, implementing some gun control measures, including some so-called red flag laws. June 24th, Roe v. Wade is overturned, sparking nationwide pro-abortion protests. June 28th, Ghislaine Maxwell receives 20-year sentence for charges related to sex trafficking. August 9th, Biden admin passes Chips and Science Act, increasing funding for various types of tech R&D and establishing funds for increasing domestic production of microprocessors and semiconductors amid growing economic and supply chain, or I'm sorry, economic tension and supply chain disruption, particularly with China. August 16th, Biden admin passes the Inflation Reduction Act, which aims to curb inflation by reducing the deficit, lowering prescription drug prices, and increasing or investing into domestic energy production while promoting clean energy. The bill was the result of negotiations on the proposed Build Back Better Act, which was reduced and comprehensively reworked from its initial proposal. It was introduced as an amendment to the Build Back Better Act, and the legislative text was substituted. Excuse me. According to the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office, the law will raise $738 billion and authorize $391 billion in spending on energy and climate change, $238 billion in deficit reduction, three years of Affordable Care Act subsidies, prescription drug reform to lower prices, and tax reform. The law represents the largest investment into... Um, addressing climate change in U.S. history. It also includes a large expansion and modernization effort for the Internal Revenue Service. According to several independent analyses, the law is projected to reduce 2030 U.S. greenhouse gas emissions to 40% below 2005 level. The projected impact of the bill on inflation is disputed. September 8th. Queen Elizabeth dies and is succeeded by King Charles III at the age of 73, making him the oldest royal ever to accede to the throne. September 26, 2022. A series of clandestine bombings and subsequent underwater gas leaks occur on the Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 natural gas pipelines. Both pipelines were built to transport natural gas from Russia to Germany through the Baltic Sea and are majority owned by a by the Russian majority state-owned gas company Gazprom Gazprom The perpetrators identities and motives behind the sabotage remain debated October 12th 2022 Alex Jones is ordered by a jury in Connecticut to pay 965 million US dollars to the families of the victims in the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting due to his promotion of conspiracy theories in regards to the mass shooting. It is the largest payout that has ever been incurred by a civil defendant in the history of the United States. October 13th, for the first time in the history of the state, the Alaska Department of Fish and Game cancels the winter snow crab season. October 27th, 2022, Elon Musk completes his $44 billion acquisition of Twitter. 
October 28th, Paul Pelosi is struck in the head by a hammer or with a hammer by David DePappy in the entryway of his home after police arrive for a wellness check. Details remain unclear about the nature of the incident. December 12th, 2022. Bankruptcy of FTX. The U.S. files criminal charges against Sam Bankman-Fried. He is subsequently arrested in the Bahamas and due to be extradited. December 19th, 2022. The United States Select... I'm sorry. United States House... Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol, commonly referred to as the J6 Committee, is is a bipartisan select committee in the House of Representatives established to investigate the Capitol protests. During the House Committee's investigation, people give sworn testimony that Trump knew he had lost the election. The committee subpoenas his testimony, identifying him as the center of the first and only effort by any U.S. president to overturn an election and obstruct the peaceful transition of power. He sues the committee and never testifies. December 19th, the committee votes unanimously to refer Trump and the lawyer John Eastman to the U.S. Department of Justice for prosecution. Recommended charges for Trump are obstruction of an official proceeding, conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to make a false statement, and attempts to incite, assist, or aid comfort to an insurrection. Obstruction and conspiracy to defraud are also recommended charges for Eastman. January 2nd, 2023. Damar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills collapses during a game, suffering cardiac arrest at the age of 24. January 10th, 2023, the Declaration of North America. And I'm going to read this whole thing. Today, President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, President Joseph R. Biden, and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau met in Mexico City for the 10th North American Leaders Summit. The leaders are determined to fortify our region's security, prosperity, sustainability, and inclusiveness through commitments across six pillars. One, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Two, climate change and the environment. Three, competitiveness. Four, migration and development. Five, health. And six, regional security. North America shares a unique history and culture that emphasizes innovation, equitability, or I'm sorry, equitable development and mutually beneficial trade to create inclusive economic opportunities for the benefit of our people. We are not just neighbors and partners. Our, <clears throat> our people share bonds of family and friendship and value above all else, freedom, justice, human rights, equality, and democracy. This is the North American DNA. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is foundational to the strength, vibrance, and resiliency of our countries. We focus on providing marginalized communities opportunities for their full, equal, and meaningful participation in our democracies and economies. To advance these objectives, President Lopez Obrador, President Biden, and and Prime Minister Trudeau reiterate their joint commitment to protect civil rights, promote racial justice, expand protections for LGBTQI plus 
individuals and deliver more equitable outcomes to all. In partnership with indigenous peoples, we will promote innovation and sustainable solutions that continue our cooperation to build societies where indigenous women and girls can live, learn, and lead without fear through the trilateral working group on violence against indigenous women and girls. Indigenous women from all three countries will convene in the coming weeks to facilitate discussions about priorities and best practices, including in areas of political, economic, and social development. These countries also reaffirm our commitment to greater equality and empowerment of women and girls in all their diversity by aiming to improve financial and political support for women and girls' rights. Climate change and the environment. Mexico, the United States, and Canada recognize the critical nature of taking rapid and coordinated measures to tackle the climate crisis and respond to its consequences. This includes achieving our respective 2030 nationally determined contributions under the Paris Agreement and working together and with other countries to keep a 1.5 degree Celsius temperature limit within our reach. To promote buy-in from for ambitious cuts in em- emissions, we will come together to align approaches on estimating the social cost of greenhouse gas emissions. We will continue to implement and build on commitments of the 2021 North American Leaders Summit on climate mitigation, adaptation, and resilience, while renewing our focus on reducing methane emissions from all sources, with a new focus on waste methane. We will explore standards to develop hydrogen as well as regional source of as well as a regional source of clean energy. We will move swiftly to accelerate the energy transition by deploying clean energy solutions, increasing the produ- production and add a adoption of zero emission vehicles in North America and transitioning to cleaner fuels. In partnership with indigenous peoples, we we reiterate the pledge to protect biodiversity, to work towards ending deforestation, and doing our part to conserve 30% of the world's land and waters by 2030. Competitiveness. We seek to deepen our regional capacity to attract high-quality investment, spur innovation, and strengthen the resilience of our economies. Recognizing the benefits brought to brought by the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement to boost regional competitiveness, the three countries will seek to forge stronger regional supply chains as well as promote targeted investment in key industries of the future such as semiconductors and electric vehicle batteries which will be critical to advance electric vehicle development and infrastructure. We will convene public-private dialogues and map out supply chains to address common challenges and opportunities. Critical minerals are an essential component to the accelerating North America's clean energy transition. Each country will review and map out existing and potential reserves of critical mineral mineral resources in their region while taking care of the environment respecting local communities and adhering to high ethical standards to support innovation job creation and workforce development the three countries or three governments commit to working 
with the private sector, civil society, labor, and academia across North America to foster high-tech entrepreneurship, promote small and medium-sized enterprises, and strengthen technical education. We will also consider trilateral approaches to promoting sustainability, inclusive jobs, and develop the workforce to meet our climate commitments. Since June, Mexico, the United States, and Canada have collectively welcomed record numbers of migrants and rec refugees from the Western Hemisphere under new and expanding labor and humanitarian programs. Today, we affirm our joint commitment to safe, orderly, and humane migration under the Los Angeles Declaration and other relevant multilateral frameworks. This includes assisting host communities and promoting migration and refugee integration, providing protection to refu refugees, asylum, asylum seekers, and vulnerable migrants, strengthening asylum capacity in the region, expanding and promoting regular pathways for migration and protection, addressing the root causes and Im impacts of irregular migration and forced displacement, and collaborating to counter xenophobia and discrimination against, my, my, against migrants and refugees. Now more than ever, we need to identify and address the root causes of irregular migration and forced displacement. Mexico, the United States, and Canada commit to supporting countries across the Western Hemisphere to create the conditions to improve quality of life, especially in marginalized communities that are valuable to both forced internal and regional migration and displacement. To that end, we will continue to work together with our respective private sectors and promote or to promote responsible business practices, implement obligations under the USMCA and international labor conventions, and coordinate to eradicate the use of forced and child labor in our supply chains. Health. Trilateral health cooperation will focus on launching an updated North American plan for animal and pandemic influenza to improve prevention, preparedness, agility, and provide rapid response to healthcare emergencies in North America. The North American Security Working Group will develop <clears throat> and launch revised NAPAPI as a flexible, scalable, and cross-sectoral platform to strengthen the regional prevention preparedness and response to a broader range of health security threats that include influenza and beyond. As we emerge from the acute phase of the COVID-19 pandemic, we also recognize that resilient health systems, including a strong health workforce, are the foundation upon which effective pandemic preparedness and response will be built. We will continue efforts to build stronger and more resilient health systems that meet the broad range of health needs in our countries. Regional security. Mexico, the United States, and Canada will focus on strategies to bolster our shared continental security against domestic, regional, and global threats, including cyber threats. Security cooperation will continue to abide under our common understanding that respect for human rights and the rule of law contribute to a more secure North America. 
The security cooperation includes actions to disrupt criminal actors and associated crimes across our shared borders, including money laundering, child sexual exploitation, firearms, and and human trafficking. We also are taking a consistent approach to the collection, use, processing, retention, and protection of passenger name record data to strengthen our shared security perimeter and the safety of our citizens, including advocating for the global adoption of standards and recommended practices of the International Civil Aviation Organization on PNR data. We will continue our North American drug dialogue and further advance our cooperative international efforts to address the glowing, growing global synthetic drug threat as the United States, United States takes the chair in 2023. We will enter, or I'm sorry, we will enhance substances. Uh, we will enhance trilateral trilateral work to address the use of precursor chemicals in the production of illegal substances in North America and to disrupt drug trafficking as well as strengthen public health approaches to prevention, harm reduction, treatment, and recovery. As both natural and human-induced hazards and disasters increase risk to vulnerable populations, we will continue to work together to share training and best practices to keep our people safe and address emergencies including natural and other disasters recognizing the differential different differentiated impact disasters have on women and girls we aim to integrate a gender perspective into these efforts looking forward the commitments made during this summit are rooted in a shared vision for a more equitable just inclusive resilient secure and prosperous north america and share responsibility to achieve more equitable outcomes responsive to the needs and aspirations of our citizens. As we work to implement these commitments in the upcoming year, we seek to model a democratic and sustainable path based on trust to promote inclusive prosperity and security. Mexico, the United States, and Canada look forward to building on this progress at the 11th NALS to be hosted by Canada. That would be North American Land Summit. All right, that was a that was a mouthful, y'all, but it's a lot of flowery language in there, right? I hope I hope the gist of what they're trying to uh, describe rings through, though. But before I get into commentary, let me just finish. We're almost at the end of this timeline. I just wanted to read that the. The quote-unquote Declaration of North America. All right, February 2nd, 2023. Let's see here. This would be just a few days, less than a month after this declaration. So February 2nd, a Chinese spy balloon is spotted over the western states and is tracked throughout its flight across the continent before finally being shot down off the coast of South Carolina two days later. More high-altitude objects are shot down in the days and weeks following. February 20th, 2023. Marjorie Taylor Greene advocates for national divorce, fueling discussions about secession, decentralization, and reorganization nationwide. March 12th, 2023. 
the largest bank failure since 2008 occurs with Silicon Valley Bank becoming the first or becoming the second bank to fail in the month of March after Silvergate. Signature Bank is the third to fall. March 14th, 2023. 250,000 New Yorkers lose power to a powerful nor'eastern storm that pummels the northeast with 20 to 40 inches of snow. March 30th, 2023. President Former President Trump is indicted over the Stormy Daniels scandal, making him the first former president ever to be charged with a crime. April 4th, President Trump pleads not guilty to 34 charges of falsifying business records. April 10th, President Joe Biden signs a House bill immediately ending the COVID-19 national emergency, first enacted during the Trump administration in 2020. The White House initially announced plans to end the COVID-19 national emergency as well as the public health emergency on May 11th. But shortly after, the House of Representatives Republicans put forth bills to end both immediately. The bill Biden eventually signs into law only ends the national emergency, not the public health. The White House voices opposition to the bills, saying that resolutions would be a grave disservice to the American people. In a statement of administration policy, the Biden administration says that an abrupt end to the emergency declarations would create wide-ranging chaos and uncertainty throughout the health care system. April 13, 2023. FBI agents arrest 21-year-old Jack Texera, Texera, something like that, who allegedly leaked classified DOD documents on Discord. He is charged with violating the Espionage Act the next day. The same day, a 38-year-old tech consultant named Nima Moment was arrested for the murder of tech entrepreneur and Cash App founder Bob Lee. And the final ongoing bit we are still in the middle of Cop City. So you've probably heard a thing or two about Cop City. I don't have a written out kind of blurb about it because I'm still I'm still putting the timeline of that together. Um, but a quick sort of breakdown is that essentially a large grade law enforcement training facility is being planned on being constructed in this forested section outside of Atlanta, or I guess inside of Atlanta, Georgia. And beginning last summer, almost 12 months ago, an occupation of that forest began. And as far as I know, it continues. Now, this is mostly a leftist sort of BLM kind of occupation, right? The reason I bring it up last and the reason I, I'm i not going to talk disparagingly one way or the other about any of these events. I'm not going to go conspiratorial. I'm not going to tell you my feelings about any of it, although I'm sure some of my feelings are palpable. Um, I simply want to draw connections, right? 
That's the point of doing this sort of broad outline. And I see a connection between the stop cop city occupation and the Bundys and Waco, right? And January 6th and BLM. You know, there's something there's something that, that kind of is comparable. They're not the same, but they're comparable, right? And what I'm talking about, you know, all this stuff, these these shootings, these terrorist attacks, right? Like, do not misunderstand me. The point of laying out this timeline of events for the last 30 years is not to glorify, condone, or even necessarily condemn any of it. The point is that we, uh, we need to understand, right? Why do these events happen? What is the root cause? What motivates people to take action or commit violence? You know, is, is it always insanity? Or is there a place in time? I'm not going to tell you one way or the other. You know, these are questions that are worth, worth considering on a personal level. But like I said in the intro, I just think so many folks never take the time to like look through recent history for these, these patterns, these waves, these vibrations, right? And sort of the, the frequency at which these, these large-scale events of uncertainty and instability occur. You know, when there's conflict and how it gets resolved, or maybe how it never quite gets resolved, but carries on to the next, next event, next, next bubbling over, next explosion of emotion and, and anger. You know, I see very little difference between BLM protesters and far right wing Mormon ranchers. You know, whose streets are streets? That's what the BLM says. You know, whereas Clive and Bundy says, you know, these mountains don't belong to you. They belong to us. Whose mountain? Our mountain. Whose desert? Our desert. You know, it's no different. The difference is just semantic or, you know, it's in perception. And it, it kind of upsets me because so many people get so dug into one camp or one side or one political perspective when the truth is it's, it's not so different from the people that you claim to oppose in a lot of ways. You know, maybe the uh, political spectrum is not, not a line but a circle, right? The further left you go, the further right you go, you end up connecting to the far left and the far right at this, this dangerous place, right? And I, I would almost argue, I mean, it's, it's something that could be debated, but I would almost argue that a healthy type of libertarian you know, anarchist 
is not far left, is not far right, but is actually relatively center. Which sounds a little bit funny, you know, like, I hate the left-right paradigm because it just doesn't work. You know, that's my point. You know, I always like the introduction song. If you've never watched or rather listened to Timeline Earth, it's a great, great podcast. But their their intro song, it's kind of silly, but it says something about, you know, um, we're living on a line that is infinitesimally, what, how do they say it? infinitesimal I can't even spit the word out but you know infinitesimally thin but infinitely wide you know it's just like a funny way of imagining right they say sometimes you feel caught between the left and the right it's because you are because you're living on a line of an infinitesimal size but infinite length that's how they say it and it's like you know, theoretically, that's kind of funny and silly to say, yeah, the left-right paradigm means that we're all living on this line that goes on forever in both directions. But that's not, that's not accurate, I don't think. You know, everything exists in multiple dimensions, not only two. Three to four, at least, right? Without, without a sphere or a, you know, without a shape, a line is is essentially non-existent, right? There's no such thing. So why why do we why do we define ourselves on a line when there is no there is no line? I like to say there's no sides in a circle, but even that's oversimplifying it. But without understanding our history, right? And I'm sure there's important shit that I that I missed. I just think that hearing it all back to back in order can help show patterns. All these seemingly isolated events are deeply and intimately connected. You know, a butterfly flaps its wings. Next thing you know, Hurricane Katrina hits New Orleans. You know, that's again the butterfly effect is kind of a silly way of imagining something that that very well could be that no action exists without a resulting reaction. That events unfold like dominoes. You know, one creating the next. Momentum, inertia, common feeling. You know, I think it's undeniable that we have some amount of psych- psychological connection, right? Maybe not full-blown um, telepathy, but something akin to it. A shared piece of consciousness that impacts everybody. I, you know, I saw it. I've seen it. It's why I was so engaged, I guess I'd say, with with the protests of BLM. Um, out of like more of a 
curiosity than a true like sense of um, being a participant. I, I I wanted to observe, almost like a like an ecologist would. You know, the beauty of ecology is you can't really experiment much. You can only observe. You know, it's an observation-based science. And I like to think of myself as something of a human ecology. Trying to observe this, this biological organism in its environment and understand how the environment and the organi- organism interact. And it's, it's a difficult question. You know, the human beast is a complicated one. Our social hierarchies are infinitely complex. Our economies are infinitely complex. Our culture. You know, but really, when you boil it down, we're not so different from our, our chimpanzee cousins or the dolphins or the whales or the wolves. You know, similar psychology is at play. And I think that's worth noting. Now, I know that that Declaration of North America was super wordy and long, and I almost gave up on it halfway through. But I think it's important to note this this flowery bullshit language that they use. You, know, you got to read between the lines when they say that we're we're working together towards a more diverse, equitable and inclusive future. Just just know that that is not as nice as they want you to think. What it means is more control. And when they talk about improving the environment, they're talking about they're talking about limiting your ability to use a car. Or to have a gas stove. They're not going to stop flying in their private jets to go to the North American Land Summit or Davos, Switzerland or, you know, the UN or whatever. You know, they're they're painting this picture of, you know, a beautiful, fair, equal and and sustainable future. But the means the means are the problem, right? Not necessarily the the goals of sustainability and equity, equity and justice, but the means by which they intend to get us there. Do not let them fool you. You know, it's just like the the Western public land example, the federal control of of lands in the Western United States is exorbitant. And it's a reasonable argument to say perhaps the federal government shouldn't be hoarding all of this land. Perhaps it should go to the states or to individuals. You know, I don't know. That's a that's a tough one. As a as a wilderness advocate, I see both sides of the argument. You know, and that's an interesting one, the, the, the Clive and Bundy thing. You know, if you've never heard it, I recommend going back. It's one of my earlier episodes, maybe in the 20s or 30s, but I called it an anarchist t- 
take on public land management, something along those lines. And I read a pretty cool essay uh, written by Edward Abbey, my, my ultimate favorite author, in which he sort of dissects the issues of federal land management practices and, and sort of breaks down why it may not be proper or even productive or beneficial, that in fact it may do more harm than good. All right, I feel like I've rambled off long enough. I'm going to go ahead and post this. We'll see what happens. You know, tomorrow is my birthday. It is the anniversary of Waco. And I may do a more sort of emotion-based, free-flowing expression of you know my feelings on that particular day. Um, you know, this, like I said, I just wanted to paint a broad picture and, and leave it to you to sort of, um, you know, figure, figure what you, what you think out. I'm not going to tell you what to think about our history and, you know, which stories are bullshit, which ones are manipulated, which ones are true. I, I can't say for certain. So I leave that up to you to figure out for yourself with that I will say thanks for listening and if you would like to support the Easy Peasy podcast please go to easypeasy.ittybitty.tips I'll talk to you soon